Good morning and welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 or maybe on the TuneIn app. I don't know, but you know that. We're so <laughs> glad that we're, you're joining us this morning. We just had an awesome interview with Nick Tsang, Um just about a bunch of young Dr. people Nick, yes. getting together and just living their faith. And it was actually, mm. actually kind of Holy Spirit inspired, I think, because our Bible study today we're going to be talking about practical unity mm. which is awesome talking about living our faith and living that in a christian community um and how yeah it just it's just the way to go i want to read you a quote this is an ellen g white quote from 1902 very famous author she says what christ was in his life on this earth that every christian is to be he is our example not only in his spotless purity, but in his patience, gentleness, and winsomeness of disposition. So basically what she's describing here is like, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Not only is Christ our our uh, example in spotless purity, but it was the fact that he lived his faith. Absolutely. Which which is kind of crazy because you think of Christ, right? And you think of of. He was a man who sort of by by obligation for salvation to happen, he had to live a perfect life. And then you look at the actual life that he lived, how he's traveling around, reaching out to the oppressed, you know, the poor, uh, all the struggling classes of people. He's, he's putting himself into a sinful world and getting amongst it and, you know, surrounding himself with people who are who are struggling with sin but for the purpose of being their example and and ultimately winning their souls and i think that's that's so powerful because it's one thing to you know christ could have just came to the earth said i have to live a perfect life sat in a house all day and people knew he was the messiah and they come into the house and he gave them wisdom like some sage type uh-huh. figure but no christ gets out there and he he practically loves people yeah it's and it's, it's awesome. quite a contrast to what we see today with, you know, anyone that's sort of labeled as some sort of god or guru or, or mystical leader. They're, they're very much, you know, in their palaces. Uh, mm. You know, people can line up and come and, you know, pay homage. But it doesn't seem like they ever get out there, get amongst the poor, get their hands dirty, do some mm. healing, teaching. It's Christ was a leader like no other. Yeah. Just leading you by his example and, and how humble and just beautiful his example was. So, yeah, that quote you read is, is just is such a good guidance for our life that, you know, how Christ lived his life is how we Christians need to lead, lead our lives. It's very mm-hmm. true, very pointed. Mm-hmm. But then going on to the topic of, of unity. So, we see Christ, who's our example, living this, this practical life um, mm-hmm. where he's getting out there. But I, I love the fact that even as Christ, as the one in the world who is the most capable leader, like the most the most capable evangelist and, and someone who can actually achieve mm. something. He surrounds himself with with 12, 12 disciples and then, you know, then the 70 and then the, the, the you know, all the rings of disciples that, that spawn out from that. And he, he, he not only says like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to live this faith. I'm going to go around and, and heal people and love people, which he can do. Because he is mm-hmm. Christ, you know, he is, he never sins, he's in full, you know, harmony with, with God and his spirit, which is, which is just amazing. But then he surrounds himself with these people, which in all honesty, are a liability to him. And he says, you know what, I'm going to lead these people and I'm going to teach them to do the things that I do. 
and it's it's just amazing christ as our example it, again like we talked you know i said sage like figure someone who's just chilling doing in his own thing that it's the most impressive thing about christ so it's like furthermore not only did he get out there but then he he led a bunch of misfit yeah. disciples mm-hmm. um into doing the same things as he was doing you know and i feel like we can have that experience today yeah, I mean, I, I like how it says in this quote, you know, it, first of all, it says our lives our lives need to be like his life. And then you think, okay, so he was a leader. So, you know, was he bold and, you know, was he out there being loud and chopping people up and, you know, surging forward and being full of pride. But then it says, no, like his example was one of patience, gentleness, winsomeness of dispositions. So that's, you know, having a winning a winning disposition, being, you know, appealing to people mm-hmm. and uh, and not at all. Not at all like some sort of loud, bigger, you know, when you think of someone like Napoleon or these great leaders, yeah. nothing like that kind of a leadership was what Jesus exemplified. And uh, and when this today's study you know, is about practical unity, like we said, these are the, the traits, the traits that Jesus exemplified, patience, gentleness, and a winning disposition. Like those mm. are the traits that will bring about unity in a church, not pride, not, you know, abrasiveness. Hundred percent, but just gentle patience. And I'm kind of experiencing that, like a little bit in in my own life. Um, sort of when when we talk about inspiring others and compelling others, I've been so blessed um, to work with the Raymond Terrace Mission team for the last couple of months. And it's a, as I mentioned in the interview, we're a you know a church plant team, and our, our church is really taking off and, and growing and moving forward. Um, and I can honestly, I can attribute that to 100% first and foremost, the, you know, God's spirit working in, in us. But it's the fact that the, the leaders of our church humble themselves. Yeah. They, they know their place. They know that they're a sinful, broken human being. Um, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to humble myself. Yeah, sure, I've got spiritual gifts. I've got talents. And I think you have to have the confidence to know, like, okay, I have things that I need to do and I need to do them. Um, but ultimately, yeah, they humble themselves and let God work through them. And we're just seeing such growth um, because they're just like, we, we want to follow the example of Christ and we want to be gentle and, and, and patient. And it's, it's, just, it's just awesome to see like a group of people who are being affected directly by the ministry of Jesus 2,000 years later. Mm. Um, and it actually points me, you know, because we're talking on this, on this practicality, one of the lessons that Jesus taught about practically living his faith. I want to turn to Luke chapter 10. Um, this is an epic story. So what happens in Luke chapter 10 is after the disciples have spent a fair bit of time with Jesus, he, he then sends 70, 70 disciples out. Um, and yeah, just to go in and minister. Let's Let's read this. Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also, and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. So essentially what he does here is, is something that, that we do here in the, in the North New South Wales Conference. Jesus here is an evangelist, mm. and he's like, I'm going to go and preach in all these cities. So what I want you guys to do is to get out there two by two. I'm going to send you out. And uh, I want you to go in and, and 
prepare the city for me, gain interest in, hey, there's this Jesus guy coming. Um, you know, for me, I was working for Peter Watts at the start of this year doing a similar thing. And I was like, yeah, there's this guy named Peter Watts and he used to be an atheist, but now he's a believer in God and you should come and hear, and see, hear his series. Yeah. Whereas these guys would be like, yeah, there's this guy, Jesus. He's the son of God. You should come mm. here and speak. Which is <laughs> Quite the invitation. <laughs> pretty... <laughs> Pretty amazing. So essentially, like you're like plowing the soil, getting mm-hmm. it ready for yeah, seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Like, yeah, getting getting it ready. In the analogy um, of a garden. In the analogy yeah. of yeah. a garden. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting the ground really fertile for mm-hmm. for for the person to come in and start planting those seeds. Obviously, there's a little bit of seed planting that goes on there. Yeah. And in my in my case, in my job, um, I would usually initiate contact with a lot of those people by starting to study the Bible with them. Mm-hmm. And then I would get to a point where I was like, hey. This stuff we're studying the Bible. There's this guy coming. He like knows all about this stuff. He's really smart. He actually used to be an atheist, but now he believes in God because of like the evidence that the Bible gives. And it was just really cool. Um, you know, then those people would come along to the series, and they would. It's sort of like a. It would further the, the Christian yeah, walk. Yeah, it'd be like a pressure cooker in a way, where they're just mm-hmm. every night just seeing and hearing these truths, and then coming to the point where they they make a decision to God. And it's kind of cool because I worked for Peter Watts at the start of this year, and it was actually. Bible workers taking me to a Peter Watts meeting, um, you know, after doing Bible studies with me that led to my conversion and oh, baptism into Christianity and now my, my working in ministry. Yeah. yeah. So, went a bit circle. full cycle and now I've sort of gone past it. Now I'm working for a church plant, which is like, it was a church plant and which was ministering to to me. It's like... Oh. So, this practical unity worked for you, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> I, I can definitely see like the value in, in the effectiveness practical of it. Yeah. unity and mm-hmm. how it's just like... It's a blessing when a bunch of people get together with, with, with common one, one mind. And we're going to be just going through this story and seeing the implications of practical unity and how it really affects our faith um, and even our salvation, which is going to be awesome. But we're going to pick that right up right after this. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right. <laughs> also, loves to do little hand dances every time our jingle comes on. <laughs> Jamming out to the little jingle. Oh man, I, I love it, dude. I love being here. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I mentioned that this morning, but I, I just, it's so fun. Yeah. It's so great. Oh, hey, Lawson. Um, before I forget, I've forgotten a couple of times already this show. Mm-hmm. So just to make sure that you're tuned in on Friday when Lyle's back, because Lyle and I have a huge, a huge announcement for our listeners. Ooh. So Friday. Okay. Friday, make sure everyone's tuned in. Uh-huh. Friday on the show, in the morning part, in the, in the first section of the show, we're going to be just announcing a massive, massive announcement. So, yeah. Dude, I am, I'm keen. Yeah, that, stay tuned. That's epic. Right. And you will be inadvertently involved in this announcement, so stay tuned for that oh. too. <laughs> oh, big news, man. God is so good. Amen. God I, seriously, is so God good. is so good. God is so big and so good. Mm. Well, um, yeah. Luke chapter 10. In chapter 10, continuing yes. on with our story. So, Jesus goes on here um, to give a description of, of what they'll be doing. And, uh, man, it's actually, it's pretty gnarly, but we're just going to go through it verse by verse. We're not going to focus too much here on this description, but let's just see the, the life that these guys were leading when they were going out two mm-hmm. by two. Verse 2 of Luke chapter 10, we pick it up. The Bible says, Then he said to them, The harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag. 
knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is in there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from the house. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick, and say to them, "The kingdom of God has come near to you." But where whatever city you enter, and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, "The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you." Nevertheless, know this. That the kingdom of heaven has come near you, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Man, that's wild. (laughs) (laughs) Continuing on, woe to you! um, I'm going to pronounce this as uh, Terazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven, will be brought down to Hades. (laughs) He who hears you hears me, but he who rejects you rejects me. And he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So this is basically the mission statement that Jesus gives when he sends out the disciples. Yeah, it's huge. And that's wild, man. So it's like, so you're going to go out. You're not going to take anything. You're not even going to take sandals, Mm -hmm. no money, Mm -hmm. no knapsack. You're just going to walk, right? And you're going to walk into a city and you're going to knock on a house door, which is something that that I personally do. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, I've never knocked on a house door and I've said, peace be to you. Can I please stay at your house? Yeah. <laughs> You'd get quite the response in Australia, I reckon. Man, that would be gnarly. Oh, I, would have well. to, I, think, I think people would do it, but I'd have to be in a pretty dire situation and they'd have to trust me I'm not me so sure. Lot. I've done door knocking before as well. And I remember one time I, I really needed to use um, the restroom and uh, I knocked on the door and asked them if I could use the restroom and they said no. Ouch. They said, go walk. It's like two case in your shopping center. And I was like, what? So, so then, yeah. you, then you say to him, you reject, you don't reject me, me but you reject him God. who yeah. sent me. Man, that's heavy. <laughs> but yeah, they're just like, and rock up to a house and knock on the door and ask them if you can stay. And if you, if you get to stay with them, sweet, just stay at that house. And then what I want you to do is go around and heal people. You know, just- It's a mad life. Just, just heal mm-hmm. them. Like, just walk up and say, like- just just heal them. That's, dude, that's heavy, man. That's like, it takes a lot of faith. Mm. It's a crazy amount of faith. But then he goes on and he's like, and if they don't, re- if they don't accept you, if they reject you, what I want you to do is go out into the streets and say, repent, you know, lest you'll be destroyed, basically. Like all, all, all of these places, you need to repent of your sins and follow the way. And it's, man, that's heavy, man. Mm. That's heavy. I think especially, you know, if I if I went on to, uh, say, you know, the, the road out the front of our studio or industrial drive and I started saying that, people probably wouldn't respond. We don't have the same layout of city that's like a freeway. Yeah. But if, man, if I like, you know, walked onto Hunter Street in the middle of Newcastle and was like, repent, that would be heavy. Yeah. That would, that would man, that takes faith. Hardcore faith. And we see here, 
the reason I guess you could we could deduce that that Jesus is giving them this task is is for faith building. It's not only good for the cities. You know, you imagine all the people who are going to be healed, who are going to be reached by these people going there. That's amazing. But Jesus goes on to say that it's it's not only for the cities, it's not only for the people you'll reach that it's good for, but it's for yourself. Let's continue reading the story in verse 17. The Bible says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So they come back and they're just pumped. They're like, they've they've been successful in their mission. You know, they've been sent out two by two with all these hectic and gnarly parameters to live under and they've come back and they've they've been faithful and they say to jesus like yes like they've experienced practical unity and the fruits of that and i could imagine you know because all of the things that jesus is asking them to do you know cast out demons heal people preach these are things that only can be achieved by the holy spirit working in your life and when the holy spirit touches your heart and you accept it it's just it's a feeling like none other Mm. it's it's just insane like these guys are they're they're moving with god and and honestly like there is no better drug there is no better fulfillment there is no better feeling to when you hit that spiritual you know peak and you're just in tune with the spirit and and it feels like everything that you're doing is just reaching people and and god is working in your life like it's it's real. It's practical, practical unity. Yeah, so you can really understand their exuberance when they come back mm. and they're like, oh my goodness, guess what, Jesus? Like, this, is, this is we happening. We did all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. But the answer Jesus gives to them is the most interesting part of this story and what we really want to get to the heart, heart of as we talk. The Bible says in verse 18, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So Jesus is like, yep, like, you know, that was the spirit working through you guys. Good job. You're killing it. I'm so stoked. I'm so proud of you. You know, you you went out and did the stuff that I asked you to do in my name, and you've yourself you know, seen it and you felt the benefits. But check this out, what he says here in verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. So he says, look, that that's really cool, but don't rejoice, you know, that you can cast out demons and heal people. But rather rejoice because your names are written in the book of life in heaven. Wow. Man, that's... Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That is, is crazy. Can you imagine being told by Jesus that your name is in the book of heaven? Yeah. Just, oh, man, that's amazing. And I think that this is actually a very strange statement to read. Okay, when you, when you, when you first glance at this, like, it's amazing. Like, you've gone out, you've done God's work, and God's like, you're, you're in, basically. Mm. And you're like, that would just be insane. But I think that the reasons why, well, you know, what is actually going on in here, the story, what is, what is Jesus actually communicating them to them? Why is it that now after doing this work, that the book of their books, their names are written in the book of life in heaven? Because I want to, I want to ask you, the Bible is very clear that we're not necessarily, salvation is a gift. Yeah. Salvation not, is yeah, a gift. Righteousness right? is not by works. So why is Jesus saying here that, their salvation has come by them being sent out. But is he really saying that? Ooh, that's man, this is this is the thing. Is he really communicating that? Or is he communicating a deeper truth that is very inherent to the Christian faith and practical unity? That it's actually 
this this thing that we're doing when we when we get out into our communities when we're when we're working for the Lord that there is something that actually enables us to become saved or to be in a circumstance or situation where we are but yeah this is this is we're going to talk about that right after this song this is Melissa Otto with love and we'll pick it up after this Back to Faith FM, you're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, or 88, or on the internet. But we are continuing with our study of the Bible here, and we've gotten to Luke 10, and I sort of, I've been alluding uh, a lot to the end, because I really wanted to have just a solid segment of time to talk about what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, we're going to be talking about what Jesus says in verse 20 when he says, but rather, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And I could imagine that upon hearing that, you're a disciple and you've gone out, you've done God's work, you know, you've been faithful and you come back and Jesus is like, your name is written in the book of life in heaven. Like, you're stoked, 100%, mm. 100% stoked. Um, and I feel like if I was there sitting there, like standing there beside Jesus and he says that to me, I would just be so filled with yeah, excitement absolutely. and I would just be walking away, skipping and hopping and jumping and just... Um, just being filled with joy. But the awesome thing about the Bible is that uh, it's, you know, it's been with us for a number of, uh, number of thousands of years and that we can go and reflect. And I feel like if, if Jesus says this to you, right, that, okay, like you've gone out and d- done this work and because you've done it now, you, you know, your books are written in the name, uh, your names are written in the book of life in heaven. You could probably have 
a reaction to that that would be somewhere along the lines of, but Jesus, wasn't I already written in the book of life in heaven? Because mm. think about it, right? You're going out. You're giving up your life to literally like, like you, you saw the, the, uh, the requirements, you know, you're giving up everything to go out and do this work. And what does that take? Like, I know for myself as a Bible worker, um, when we're working in ministry, working with people, doing a very similar job to what the disciples are doing here, to actually achieve anything, um, because you're doing a spiritual work, you have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and in tune with God. And what does that require? Well, it requires, you know, waking up every morning, praying, confessing your sins, um, you know, putting that time into to really connecting with God, asking Him for the Holy Spirit, asking Him to, to work in the lives of the people around you. You know, then go on to, to opening up your Bible every day, trying to receive a, a message from God, something that can benefit you, something that can help you in your journey. And so you can imagine, it's like, well, I saw the, the disciples' reaction is like, I already am saved because I was already living my Christian life. And then because of that, then I made the decision to go and work for God. See, this is the thing that Jesus is trying to say. When you put yourself in a situation or circumstance or environment that encourages salvation, like working for God does, you know, when they're going out two by two with nothing, Mm. you know, they're having to put 100% faith in God, faith in the Holy Spirit to work through them. When you're putting that in in yourself in that situation, you are enabling essentially your salvation. Which is incredible. This is actually the reason why. So, over the last year, I've been a, a volunteer Bible worker, um, which was, you know, really amazing and awesome experience. Sometimes it was hard, as you can imagine, as a volunteer Bible worker. I don't make much money, if if any. Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to, to end up doing that because I wanted to work for God. And it was my only opportunity to do so. And how I ultimately came to that conclusion and decision, because I had offers to go and work in the world. Like I I had an offer to to go and start a plumbing apprenticeship where I'd earn like $450 a day, you know, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. massive money. Um, And I was contemplating that and thinking that, and I'm like, yeah, I can go to church every week and be be involved in church, and and, uh, but I'll just be working in the world and it's all good. But then I just reflected on my own walk and my own journey and I'm like, nah, I don't think in that situation I'm going to be able to, you know, living down in Sydney and whatnot, I'm going to be able to be strong enough to to continue to uphold um, my walk with God. So I ended up making the decision, you know what, like, God, I'm going to work for you. I'm going to put myself in this this position as a volunteer Bible worker. We're going to have to have lots of faith um, and lots of trust in you to get me through. And the reason was is ultimately this is going to help me be on the track for you know it's not going to make me saved but it's going to encourage me to be saved yeah because i'm i'm in the position where i'm i'm working 24 7 in the church i'm in amongst pastors i'm doing a spiritual work in which you know to to achieve what i'm trying to do i'm having to to call out to god and all Mm -hmm. those things and this is what jesus is getting to here he's like look guys your names are written in the book of life in heaven and that's awesome 
And that's because you put yourself in an environment where it was encouraged to be saved. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the thing, you know, just working with people. Um, you know, I've had experiences um, Bible working with people who have who have one time been a part of the church and, and left the church or even people in church who are sort of, um, you could say, struggling spiritually. I find a common thread um, when someone is struggling spiritually, when they're sort of half in, half out, not really sure what they want to do, is that they're usually people who are not very involved. Mm. And it's, you know, it's not like, oh, they're, you know, they're lazy and and all this stuff. It's just, I feel like sometimes we, because I'm such a hundred percent, like I've been in places where I've been so lazy spiritually and, and I've not been putting my time in um, with God. And I, and oftentimes that comes because of their environment. Yeah, it's true. Like the Lord has us working for Him mm-hmm. because not just because it's good for other people, but it's because it's good for us. Mm-hmm. It's because it's where we can experience um, spiritual growth and spiritual yeah. training. There's a there's a really great um, a famous sermon. Uh, it's called War Stories by Henry Wright. I'm not sure if you've heard it. I've never heard. Have it. To listen to it. You actually just get it on YouTube. Just go on YouTube uh-huh. and look up Henry Wright War Stories, and he basically expounds on this theme that um you know often people who are working in ministry in some form of ministry, it's not necessarily because the Lord uh, wants to use them to to win many souls. It's because the Lord needs to place you there so He can win you. He can win you. Percent. Yeah. I, I can honestly say, like, this is this is a gnarly quote that I sort mm-hmm. of coined in my head, and that it's that I am so spiritually weak that I need to be in ministry. Uh, yes. Like, yep. that's literally my circumstance. That's why I decided to be a Bible worker this year is that, like, man, I am so weak spiritually. I need to be, like, living a life where I'm practically serving God Absolutely. every day. And that's 100% my focus. And that can be a humbling thought for many people who uh-huh. are in ministry. They don't want to think of it like, like that. They want to think about, oh, I'm so strong and I'm so big that people can, like, latch onto me. But yeah. it's no, it's because you're so weak and you latch onto God and then God can work through you. But I also think it's an encouraging thought to people who are practically living their faith, who are not in the sphere of ministry. I know in our in our church plan, yes. we've got just some amazing volunteer leaders of our church who are just so involved and doing everything they can to to benefit the church, putting so much time and hours in. And I look at those guys, and I'm like. Man, these guys are legit because they they live a normal life. They're teachers. They're nurses. They 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 have you know, practical life, doing practical things. Um, You know, like they have like a real life. Mm. And then they're like, they spend time outside of that, keeping their faith um, by, you know, helping the church. And they're they're so devout in what they do. And I I see those people and I'm so impressed. And I'm like, man, I, you know, if I ever go out of ministry, I want to be like those guys. But I'm like, man, I'm staying in ministry because I know that I couldn't do what they do. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, if you if you're listening to this and you you're kind of hoping for some some revitalization, some 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 revival in your own spiritual walk, you know, try outreach, try ministry, try re- work, letting the Lord work through you to reach other people. You'll be absolutely surprised at how much uh, your own spiritual growth will happen while you're helping other people's spiritual growth. And this also, of course, ties in with our, our theme today of practical unity. Mm. You know, when like as just like Nick said in his in his interview, when you work together mm-hmm. to help other people, you grow together as well. So. Mm-hmm. And I could imagine, you know, if you're out there listening to this and you're like, oh, what are some ways in which I can get involved? Man, if you went up to your pastor today 
and you know gave him a call and said yeah i want to you know go with you on some bible studies Mm. Dude, the guy would do a backflip. Yeah. Like 100%. And don't He'd be wait so till you're stuck. perfect. Don't wait till you're knowledgeable enough. Like this is this is the work that will get you knowledgeable. That, that uh-huh. will, you know, work on perfecting your character. This is 100%. how it works. It's not the other way around. Don't wait. Don't think I couldn't possibly give someone a Bible study. I have, you know, I have this that I'm struggling with and I don't know enough Bible verses off by heart. Like that, that's not how it works. It's the other way around. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah, that's so incredible. That's so relatable to my mm-hmm. experience because I, I started ministry as like a brand new Christian knowing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Now I've come to a place where, you know, I I know, you know, I, you know I, a bit I, more. I know a fair <laughs> bit more, yeah. but that has honestly just come from, you know, I, I have an expectation Practical. on myself yeah. that I need to share it. So I know it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that happens as well when you're really living that practical life. Oh man, I, I just I just love this chapter of the Bible. I love the Bible so much. But uh, we're going to pick this up with Anna Laura. If you ever fall, you say that you've had enough. Can't you? 
enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. Hello. 
Back to Faith FM, you're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88. And we are coming to our time of the question of the day. Yes, Lawson, it's question of the day time. We actually have an interesting uh, interesting session coming up today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so because yesterday uh, the question was asked, you know, can I lose my salvation or am I once saved, always saved? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so Lyle tackled that on air and... Um, we've had requests for more basically they mm. want more in depth on the same subject on the same topic same question um, and we, we do only have like a few minutes on our question of the day so often there is mm. more that can be shared so we've if we've been asked to share more about this topic so yeah can I lose my salvation or am I once saved or always saved okay so what I believe I I believe that we are once saved always saved uh, what if we stay saved <laughs> That's 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 the little caveat. It's <laughs> Thank you. Because ultimately, ultimately, s- salvation is a decision mm-hmm. that we make, and we make that decision every day. Um, when we talk about once saved, always saved, and what people often want to talk about when it comes to that is the relationship of our works to salvation. Because it's like, because that's that's what it's based on. Ultimately, it's it's what we do. They're like, oh, I'm once saved, always saved, because it doesn't matter what I do once I give my heart to Jesus then I'm like, sweet. Um, whereas I think that's a, that's a step too far. Um, ultimately, salvation is a decision that we make, uh, giving a heart to Jesus and, and giving everything to him. That's, that's our decision. Um, well, there's people, you know, I, I think it's often funny that false beliefs sort of tie into other false beliefs uh, because once saved, always saved, often times ties into predetermination. Um, that like no one really has a decision and everyone's just selected before the beginning. Um, but, you know, everyone is, you know, there's a bunch of people who are lost and there's a bunch of people who are saved and, and that's it. Um, but that would make God sadistic and I don't necessarily believe that. But when it comes to the law and our works and our salvation, the Bible's super clear. It says, for you, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith uh, at that not uh, and not that of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it's like salvation is a gift that you know you decide to receive. 
But then it goes on to say, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what this is saying here is that we make a decision to be saved. That decision to be saved comes by a gift from God. But then how our sort of works relate to that is essentially if we're breaking it down to as simple terms, our works are reflective of the state of our salvation. So if we make a decision to be saved and to follow Jesus, we've talked a bit today about Jesus and the life he lived and and what he did and how he loved people and cared for people, there's going to be a change in our lives, 100%. And so what this is saying here is that your, your works follow your decision. It's not that your works, like, you know, you work up to a point and God's like, all right, you're in. It's that you make that decision to be to be cleansed, to be forgiven. Um, you say, God, I want to accept your salvation. And then what God does is he imparts onto you, um, like, you know, salvation and whatnot. Um, but then going forth from that point, because you love God and you want to follow him and you've accepted salvation, you want to be better. You want to follow God. You want to do what God wants you to do. I think this is where people who believed in once saved, always saved, get a little bit lost because they're like, okay, I've made that decision for by grace you've been saved. Sweet. So that means that I no longer have a say or a part. You know, anything I do doesn't matter. Um, it's just I've made that decision and and it's all good. This is, you know, brings up a couple of problems. Um, I think probably the biggest problem that I have with once saved, always saved is the level of implied moral infallibility that comes with that. That ultimately you make a decision to be saved and then after that you don't have to do anything. Like you've sincerely given your heart to Jesus and then whatever happens is is sweet. Like you're good, you're in. Um, which is dangerous and we can see by any organization or religious institution that has ever claimed to have moral infallibility has been so corrupt and so, so just wayward and off the track um, because the Bible says that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? We are inherently sinful people. And so, you know, if you say once saved, always saved, I make a decision, then I'm good. You essentially become morally infallible and in whatever you say goes. Um, how I know this is that I actually had a conversation with someone on the street. Some guy was on the street giving out pamphlets and I come up to him like, hey, I love what you're doing. Um, he's like, yeah, what church do you go to? I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Baptist, blah, blah, blah. And we started talking and then he got into Once Saved, Always Saved and started telling me that I was wrong for believing anything against that and that I'm some kind of heretic. Um, so we started talking about that and I basically backed this guy into a theological corner where he had to say, I I asked him the question. So when Jesus comes, if you're literally murdering someone, but you've made the decision to be saved, you get into heaven. And all he could say was yes. Mm. And it's like, well, that doesn't really reflect the God of the Bible that, that I know. Um, Ultimately, I think that, yeah, for us, salvation is a decision and God in the judgment will be able to to see that decision and, and people will be able to see that we've made that decision through our works. And that's how works relate to our salvation. I think, yeah, once saved, always saved. Like I, I kind of mentioned before that often false beliefs are attached to other false beliefs. Um, once saved, always saved is, again, d- attached to 
predetermination that no one really has a decision and there's a bunch of people who are elected to be saved and there's a bunch of people who are elected to be lost, then that's attached to, you know, Augustinian theology, which is original sin, that, like, you are born, you know, not inherently um, have the ability to sin, but you are born inherently guilty of sin. And that's why the Catholic Church, like, baptizes babies and, and all these things because they're like, oh, everyone's, like, born guilty of sin. We need to, like, get rid of that ASAP. And then, you know, there's nothing that you can actually do to to get salvation. So then you're morally infallible. Um, but, yeah, it's it's wild. It's crazy. It's But we can see, I can see from the Bible very clearly that, you know, God loves me. And he wants better for my life when I when I make the decision of salvation. And how I know this is that when when I made the decision to be you know to become a follower of Christ, one of the biggest things that came up for me um, was I was drinking at the time, and I was like, if I choose to be a follower of Christ, I have to give up drinking. Someone in the once saved always saved category would just say, oh no, if I just earnestly give my heart to Christ, I don't need to do that. But I was like, no, I believe that God wants better for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, um, change my life because I'm accepting this salvation. And ultimately, that led to me giving up drinking, which was the best decision that I ever made in my life. So, you know, the law of God, the one that He wants us to keep, it's the best thing ever, um, and it's helped so many people. And uh, yeah, that's my take on once saved, always saved. <laughs> awesome. If you have a question, give us a call here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Awake, oh captive daughter, put on your garments of splendor. Free yourself from the chains around your neck. Shake off your dust, clothes yourself in strength arise arise O glorious sun and walk no more in the shadow the Lord your maker has called you by name lift up your head close yourself in strength welcome back to faith fm it is now the end of the show we have our wonderful giveaway to give away fancy that uh lawson i'd let you pick out the giveaway be the first person to call through on 1-800-FAITH-FM it's 1-800-324-843 and they are going to get a book <laughs> what book? <laughs> so this book is called Spirit Baptism and Waiting on God by Dennis Smith. Amen. It's a really great yeah. book. You're definitely going to enjoy this one. I think especially after what we've been talking about today, yes. you know, having faith, believing in God, um, practically working for Him, that requires something called the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so what this this is talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit and, and waiting on God. Um, you know that the title even specifically referencing um, the the period of time that the, the apostles um, and and the disciples spent in the upper room. Um, they prayed for for ten days straight that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then after that was one of the biggest you know evangelistic successes um, that we see recorded in the Bible. Three thousand people 
3,000 men baptized in, in one day. And that kind of stuff can still happen today. So if you want to harness uh, that kind of power, the Lord makes it available to us. Um, get a copy of this book now and uh, you'll find all, of, about, all about how that happened back then and how it could happen for you and your personal life today. So the book mm. is Spirit Baptism and Waiting on God by Dennis Smith. Give us a call now, 1-800-FAITH-FM. Of course, if you would like to know more about the Bible or learn um, you know, through Bible studies, you can learn in a group Bible study or one-on-one or even online. You can also contact Contact us here, 1-800-324-843, and uh, we can hook you up with any all manner of Bible studies as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening today. Of course, Lawson and I will be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. And uh, yeah, I would like to hear some text messages and some messages through our social media of what people think about the sermon, uh, War Stories by Henry Wright. Go on YouTube today. Have a listen to that. Shoot us through a message. Let us know what you think. We can discuss it tomorrow. I might have to have a listen. War Stories by Henry Wright. You have a blessed day.